think of his grace and his mercy And oh yeah, how he loves me All I can do is thank him for blessing me He shows me from the hurt and the pain A touch from him and you will never be the same Yes, I gotta thank him for saving me I thank him for my blessings every day that I wake up. We were born into this sin, but he decided to save us. Wasn't grateful for my life, but now I thank him every night. Because without him, I'd be lost. Now the problem has been solved. I remember all the lies and all the times that I disguised. But now his greatness and his mercy was revealed until my eyes. I'm so alive, I rose up from the dead survive. I cannot help but give him praise. You should come along for the ride. All right, everybody, I want to thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I am your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited. Y'all, I always say, and I'm going to try not to be biased, but I had to tell y'all this servant leader today, I told her before we got on that I'm fangirling. I really am. Because when you can find people who truly serve and move in a light, right? I always talk about being lights, and her light shined months ago. I paid attention, and I'm so glad to have her here. Today, we have Servant Leader. Rachel Barbeau with us. She's amazing. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, she's amazing. And y'all gonna see that for yourself. <laughs> of course, in the sports realm for a long time, sportscaster by trade, but literally has changed her narrative. She's the founder. I'm changing the narrative and I'm not going to give too much away, but I love it because an educator by trade, a coach by trade, and now a servant leader, that is what I work to do every day. The change the mind young people to 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 show them the kings and queens like donald lawrence says there's a king in you and to watch and see that's what you're doing oh my god i can't wait to unpack this so i thank you so much for being here i tell people time is the most valuable gift you could give because once it's given you can't give it back so i thank you for being here. i'm gonna pass the torch to you to say hello to our listeners and we get this conversation started yeah i'm i am uh, i'm honored and um and i've been watching you and Look, I, I, I pride myself on being like the ultimate hype girl. You know, I, I just uh, posted something yesterday on Instagram. I said, you know, people do not realize the power you have in these fingertips to retweet something, to reshare, to share somebody's home-based business, their thoughts, their dreams, their prayers, their whatever. And I mean, I was being a little sassy, but you know, the, the other part <laughs> of the, the message was like, girl, you're not that important. Guy, you're not, you know, like meaning... Like some people feel like they're too important to share other people's stuff or that, you know, and I'm like, you're not that important. We all put our pants on the same way. And I say all this to say, because I spent years in sports casting and the only way I didn't fangirl over these athletes all over the place was just knowing that they put their pants on the same way I did one leg at a time, you know, like they got up, they did the same thing that I did. And so I say all that to say is, since you and I have become acquainted, like you retweet my stuff and like, you're like, yeah, you know, like, preach, you know, whatever it is. And it's for sure. always for, for somebody who does that for other people, like it's my ultimate joy to be a connector and to be a fangirl and a hype girl for people. Um, it's so refreshing to get it back. And for, you know, to know that um, the message that, you know, that my team has worked on to curate, to put out there, that I've worked on to put out there, you know, because truth be told, it's not easy being this vulnerable, but it's what God call, has called me to do in my life. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of like, here I am, Lord, tell me what to do. <laughs> and isn't that the mantra, isn't that the basis and the theme of the servant leader? Just here I am, send me, right? And, 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 the best part about that, I love it. Uh, people know when you listen to me, I love Christine Kane. And she says all the time that please understand that God is going to use you when it is inconvenient for you. And I love that, right? Because he truly wants to see how open and willing of vessels that we really can be. And in those moments, you're stretched, right? And so I love that. And so I'm thankful for your mindset. I also, for me, like I said, there's no way I don't tweet what you say because it is truly has pushed me forward. It encourages, I watch how you encourage everyone else and your message truly is one that has to be out there. So that's just what I'm going to do and continue to do, even with, uh, you know, your mishaps today, this afternoon had me rolling. So hopefully. Yeah. Are you talking about, are you talking about the mouse? Yes. <laughs> okay. I've got to make your people laugh. Are you ready please, for this? Please, please. First of all, we all learned there's this during the pandemic. So I look really cute on the top and then there's yoga pants on the bottom. That's the <laughs> I love it. Second thing, second thing, there is a baby mouse 
in this box. I know, I know, me too. I feel the exact same way. I'm like, I so I call my bonus son and I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm not cut out for this. Like, I, I'm not cut out for this. Can you come get this thing? And what we realized when he came to get it was it was a like, a, it's a baby. It's a literal baby. And so he got it and I called this sanctuary where okay. it was near me that actually takes all sorts of animals and I'm going to drop that. I don't want it, but I'm going to let somebody else rehabilitate it. And um, yeah, so I, I rescued a mouse this morning. <laughs> Listen, <could> I, <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing because literally I'm going to have to change all your pubs now. It's going to say founder of I'm changing the narrative and it's gonna say catcher of the baby mouse. So <laughs> laugh too because months ago we had uh jason romano on with us i love him uh, me too and literally we got on his episode he had a bear outside of his window and so <laughs> you all like i i guess you know we have to be multifaceted in what we do because we got to make sure that we even can withstand the critters and the animals so shout out for catching <laughs> baby mouse How <laughs> I mean, I love it. you did say we were going to go wherever the Lord took you. And I was like, I got, to, I got to make her laugh and tell her like, just like, I don't want to hold it, you know, but I'm like, just over here, just off screen <laughs> is a box with a mouse well, in look, it. Shout out to you because my thing, the first thing I said, I was like, I don't know if I would be making it talking to me if there was a mouse, you know, that I needed to catch. It just exactly. when we rescheduled, there's a baby mouse. In my <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> But we're here and I'm glad. And so if you could just take a moment, just kind of take a, a small time, bit of time to give the listeners an overview just of kind of how when people pay attention to you and they follow you for a while and say, how's this person who literally upwards of almost 20 years find themselves in the sport casting world now take a pivot, as I would say, and now change the narrative by creating this amazing initiative to try to reroute um, athletes in the sports world? Yeah. Um, I would say right now, I feel like I'm speaking to somebody out there that's either on the live or is going to be watching this uh, later on. And, and that is, there's something that God is calling you to do and you've been standing in fear. And, um, and I am here because God uses his, uses people. We were just talking about that. He uses people to be able to get his message across. He uses music to be able to get his message across. He uses social media, baby girl, you did not or King, you did not just happen to see that post that lifted you up or was there in your right. time of need. Like if I heard Jensen Franklin say at one time, he said, if the devil can finance his missions, how much bigger do you think God can finance his and what he can do? So he uses all of those things. I think there's somebody on here that has been waiting to um, start the side hustle or start the nonprofit or write the book or um, start the cooking YouTube or uh, go back to school or take the solo vacation or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like learn the extra skill, what, what change professions, move cities. I don't know what your thing is you've been afraid of, but let me be your um, inspiration today because I did it. I was 17 years in sports casting. And it's like my friend said the other day, and I say this without like an ounce of ego, because it was all God, but I didn't leave the profession because I was uh, not working. I was current. I was employed at Sirius XM. Um, you know, and I remember writing the boss, the letter to my bosses and they were like, are you sure? And I was like, I'm sure, you know, and I, I had become the first female host on Sirius XM on their collegiate channels. I, I vote for the Heisman, you know, I was hosting the college football playoff. I was doing amazing things, but in the background, in 2019, in the background for three years before that, starting in 2016, I had created this. It just started as a talk. And um, I just had no idea where God was going to take it because that's what he does. You know, when you give him your, here I am, I'll go wherever you want to go. I'll do whatever you want to do. I'll, I'll touch whoever you want to touch. Like you said, oftentimes it's when it's inconvenient. And so um, in 2016, I had, I was really sad over what was going on in the sports world, particularly with college football. It was, we were on the heels of Penn State. We were in the thick of Baylor. There were guys and coaches getting in trouble all over the country from everything from domestic violence, sexual violence. It was a dark time in sports and collegiate athletics. And I, I remember I had just moved to Nashville and I was doing a show. Um, at the Batman building downtown, and I would have to break during the show and cry 
And I was like, what is going on with this sport that I have given my life to? And so I was just audacious enough to believe that I could affect change because God made me a do something girl. And I'm actually writing about it in my book that's coming out in 2023. Like I believe I, I teach people to run to burning buildings instead of away from burning buildings. I like and that. yeah. And sometimes people are burning buildings. And so I created this really short curriculum. I mean, it was like a, th- a girl, it was like a three page Google doc. That was a curriculum. You know, it wasn't anything like groundbreaking. It was who are you away from the court or the field or the diamond? What were you born for? Because you were not just born to be an athlete. What makes your heart beat faster? What bothers you that doesn't bother other people? Because that might be a, a clue to your passion. That might be a clue to what you were put on this planet to achieve and to your legacy. And so, and, and so that was the original talk and in my own experience with domestic violence. And so it was in, it was in 2016, August, uh, FSU. And then in that fall, I was with Clemson right before they won the national championship. And I want to say this to everybody, please do not despise the days of small beginnings. Okay. Because oh, yeah. I remember being on the field at Clemson and I was there for the college football playoff, but keep in mind, I just talked to these players. Okay. So I'm just getting started and I didn't know any better. And so I bought them all bracelets to give them. Well, I didn't know anything about bracelets. I didn't know that you could buy these like good, you know, nice quality debossed, nice bracelets. Bless my heart. I bought them the bracelets that like were colored and like, you know, like pink and purple and green. And, and they had rubbed off by the time they got to like national championships. So they were like aging the arrogant, you know, and, but they come, <laughs> off, they, they come off the field and they're screaming, we did it, Miss Rachel, we changed the narrative. And I'm like, what? Like, and, and that's like, I had this aha moment where God was like, see, see. And so I, bl- I feel like I blinked. And then before I knew it, um, we're now five years in, we'll be six years in August. And I've been to over 50 colleges. I work with um, I work with male and female athletes, both kings and queens. I, I prefer to work with them separately because they're separate messages. And many of the colleges I go to, uh, I visit multiple over and over and over again because repeated exposure is the best. I also work with prison ministry, customs and border patrol, um, halfway houses as a former addict myself, um, churches, um, high schools. So literally there's nowhere I won't go. And, um, and it's been amazing. And kind of the next frontier of what we want to do after I get my book turned in is we really want to get into the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, because there's no reason why a 21-year-old needs this at school or 22-year-old and somebody doesn't need it in the professional ranks. Yeah. Come on. That's so amazing. And there's the theme word I hear in all of that, which I know is going to ha- happen, is transparency. Mm. And in leadership, that is hard. I talk about that often on here as a person who, you know, used to carry and still does to a degree things so close to my best, right? So I want you to lean a little bit on that to us as servant leaders, right? Because we first and I'm not telling folk my business, right? And I always talk about those story moments and glory moments. And so the story moments, we want to share those. We want to post those. We want to tell people. We want people to retweet it. Mm. We highlight that. <laughs> story moments that help people get through right Mm -hmm. and so paying attention to where you go to share your story right Mm -hmm. that is so amazing to me just hearing you say that that you don't limit yourself you know where from whence you come so you go back Mm -hmm. to pull them with you and that comes from vulnerability can you talk about the importance of servant leaders and vulnerability how important that is in leading yeah so two things that you said that were just fantastic is Um, You talk about keeping things close to the vest, and I'm going to probably blow a lot of your leaders' minds really, really quickly, but it's something that I've seen in action. I've seen it. So for the first three or four years that I did this movement, I never um, asked to, quote unquote, train the trainer, meaning I never asked to have a separate conversation with coaches. But then I recognized if I can change the hearts and minds of the coaches whom the players go back to when I leave. Okay, so a very um, extreme uh, example of this is say we're talking about a young man who I change the ideas of what it means to be masculine. I change the ideas of asking for help. I change the stigma in his life. And he sticks his neck out to a coach and says, I'm struggling coach. And the coach says to him or to her, but let's just use him for example, quit being weak, quit being a, you know, whatever. 
he's mm-hmm. going to put his head back in the turtle shell and he's never going to come out again. And it, it's going to mm-hmm. be very hard to bring him out again. So what I recognized was, let me train the trainer. So what I'm about to say is very countercultural because we're taught as leaders that we need to be strong. We need to be unified. We need to have our blank together. That's what we're taught as leaders. But what I know to be a fact, because I've seen it over and over and over again, is if you will get real with your players Mm -hmm. and share something that you've been through in your life, and it can be traumatic or non-traumatic. It doesn't matter what it is. It is your your thing, your stuff doesn't have to be trauma-based. But if you share your thing, I overcame a learning disability. My parents got divorced when I was young. I was in a car accident. I had one coach tell me in a room full of other coaches, I've lost seven kids. Seven. I've held them. Miscarriages. Yeah. And, and he had never said it out loud. And I said, do your players know that? And he said, no. And I said, I, I, I am begging you, if you would be bold enough to share that with them, there's somebody in your, in your position group that you coach that has experienced extreme loss that would bond with you. Therefore, he would go out there and play his guts out for you. She would go out there and play her guts out for you because she knows she's bonded to you. We play our guts out. We perform for people that we love and we're bonded to. And now more than ever with NIL and the transfer portal, we've got to continue as leaders. I'm just using the collegiate model for an example. We've got to continue as leaders, make sure that we're dealing with our own funky junk, working on our own stuff, being the best person we can be, dropping our stuff off in therapy, whatever that looks like, because whatever's going on up here leaks out into work, into business. It leaks out into world, leaks out into coaching. So that's the first thing that is countercultural to what most coaches and leaders have been taught. They're taught you need to be strong, you need to be stoic, and you need to have it together. I'm telling you that people, more people are drawn to your imperfections than they ever were your perfections. Come on. More people are drawn to your imperfections than they ever were your perfections. People do not relate to me because I was on a sideline or I voted for the Heisman or any of those things. They relate to me because um, I've gone through loss so devastating and somehow crawled out the other side of it, but God. They relate to me because I've lost everything and crawled back. They relate to me because I've been through domestic violence. They relate to me because I was an addict and God saved me. And so my imperfections are the things that draw me, that, that magnetize other people to me. The second thing I want to say to what you said that you thought was fantastic is the other reason people are drawn to me is because I show them all of it. And this is a thing that we do and, and not everybody's going to be comfortable with this. And you may have to dip your toe into this. You may have to ease your toe into this because I say people, I, I say this to people, if you're an extrovert, baby, be an amazing extrovert. And if you're an introvert, I want you to be the most fantastic introvert you've ever been. I want you to be start being comfortable in your skin because God did not take the day off when he made you. So you've got to work, you've got to like work your way into this. But the reason why I think you and I bond and other people have bonded with me through my social media is because they've seen me face down on my face, bawling my eyeballs out in my prayer closet. They've seen me talk about loss. They've seen me talk about a mouse in my house. They, I don't show them the glamorous part <laughs> and only the good stuff. I'm like, here's my life, man. Like, here's the, here's what's really going on. And Last thing I'll tell you, I, I was sitting down with um, um, uh, an NFL player's parents that is very pronounced about so, uh, mental health in the NFL. I was sitting down with his parents. So I was meeting with the mom. The dad comes along and he says, you know, I've, I've been a big fan of yours for a while. You don't know me. And he said, but I want to tell you, I prayed you through when you lost your mama. And uh, I just. And you don't get that if you don't take off the mask. Yes. That's huge. Now I'm sitting here and I'm gonna tell you right now and I'm laughing because this ain't nobody but the Lord back backdrop, y'all. Y'all know by trade what I do by day. And so when I don't have enough time to, you know, move from where I am, we have lovely horns playing. But I'm so thankful because it seems like every time I get ready to talk, the horns stop, right? And so I'm thankful for that. But I'm literally was about to, you know, I'm old school country church baptist and so if you were in person rachel something would have been flying at your head 
You said so many. You know what though? I tell people you will love this. I tell people when I speak, I'm like, I y'all, this is y'all are not required to be a mute audience. I'm like, if y'all like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and so I just spoke at a high school in Arkansas, and they'd get up and they'd be like, you, yes, exactly. Like, I, mean, I love it. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, and the thing is, because most powerful servant leaders and the reason being is because what you say I always tell people I'm mouthpiece right so they're like Chelsea oh my god what you said and I'm like I have to sometimes go back and realize what I told you because I'm just a mouthpiece he gives say and so you're just so calmly sitting here spitting flames and I'm like does she not hear this (laughs) it's so calm right now It's, it's just exactly like you um, you said it's God, you know, like, look, I do my prep. I, I, I read books. I'm always reading. I'm always studying. You know, I'm always doing these things, but when I get up to speak, I have a book and, but it stays on the podium and I'm moving. I mean, I'm pacing, I'm moving, I'm walking to the audience. And so really it's just, for me, it's just being prepared, being open. And, and it's not that again, that I don't prepare, but it's what does God want to come out of my mouth right now? Whether I'm in a secular or non-secular place, like Bobby Bowden said to me he's like should he's like you know you preach in the Bible without ever preaching the Bible and I said yes sir I do yes sir I do yeah and shout out to him rest is so I'm down here in Tallahassee so (laughs) actually mentioning for the state coach Bobby Bowden rest in peace you know again definitely so I just I just feel that so much of what you said is going to hit home for so many servant leaders right um you know I'll go ahead and give you know, this portion out here, because I talk to people off of uh, social media so often just about what they're going through. And I love that because it's like what you said, did you share that with them? And that changed the scope of me as a coach and as an educator years back when I started to do that. And it was like, Chelsea, you don't have to tell them your business, but they need to know you understand. Right. And so in that moment, you do, you see a transformation and it's just what you said that blew me away people are drawn more so to your imperfections than they ever would be your perfections I love that it's a you it's a unifying tool that's the thing right because when you can say this is where I've been wounded this is where I fell short this is where my pain existed at one time Mm -hmm. regardless of like you said it may not be the same loss but you've experienced loss and when recognize that you're now not this pillar of a person that I can't reach you become reachable that right there that is huge and so all of our servant leaders that are listening will listen I hope you take that to heart Mm -hmm. changed my coaching spectrum then you know something else too that that um I think leaders need to know is to the point where it works for you. Like I clearly have boundaries. We have a new shirt in our in our in our movement that says, you know, uh, boundaries are like the greatest form of self love. They are. Like I mm. clearly have boundaries, mm. but my DMs, my messages, my emails. I always go in. I I went in today and um, I say to all my leaders, go in your your Instagram and check that other message. Like where people where your messages go. Like if somebody's not following you or you're not following them. I got a message from a guy that was also on the 700 club because the 700 club just came to my house and he was telling me about his story and what happened and and all of that, but be accessible to the point that makes sense for you. Because for me, the lifeblood of what I do is getting messages from people and reaching out. Like most recently, again, I was in Jonesboro speaking. I was there for three days at a youth, um, at a church, church youth, I was with, at the high school for five sessions. And then I was in an addiction center the next day before I left. And just since then, I've probably gotten 35 messages, not kidding you, from all walks of life. And what's happened is the most beautiful thing is the kids that have messaged me. Then I've tag teamed with a counselor in the high school and we both, I've pushed them to her. She checks on them. She makes sure they're okay. Cause I'm not, I'm a mental health advocate. I'm not a professional. So she's, she's there. She's on the ground. She's checking on them and I'm pushing them towards them. And, you know, and, and so my point saying all that is, is make yourself accessible to the point that works for you. I'm not saying you have to answer every message right then and, you know, leave dinner and, you know, leave your family, have your boundaries. You know, my family, 
comes first. There are certain boundaries around that. I know you're a new mama. I mean, I, I get those uh, things. Yes. But but I, I just would say the biggest joys come from me to having a level of accessibility to people to be able to share their stories with me. I think that's awesome. And I think that is a key that I've learned and gotten so much better at is just setting those boundaries to the place where it works for me, right? Because if you don't, no one else will. If you don't know how to set them, you know, because takers take, even if you're not intentionally trying to do so, right? When people want to tap into you and they need to tap into you and they see you as a source or a resource, they don't know the boundary. All they know is they have a need that they need fulfilled. And so setting those boundaries are important. And I've, I've learned that too, but I definitely had a rush course now that my little one is here and I've gotten so good at it. So I thank you for that. I think that's perfect. Yeah. And you can do it and you can do it lovingly. That's the other thing I was just going to tell you. You can yes. do it lovingly. I had a, yeah. a gal reach out to me a while back and she was like, can you jump? Can, and I don't know her, but she was like, can you get on the phone with me? I just need somebody to cry to. And I'm like, well, hold on. I'm like, <laughs> do, do we have a therapist? Do we have a, you know, like, I, I don't want to purport. And I was getting ready to go out of town to speak. I was going to mm-hmm. be gone for a week. And it's not that I didn't care about her. But I had to push that back on her lovingly and let her, and it turns out she was like, I've got friends. I've got a therapist. I've got a pastor. Well, honey, she was like, I just wanted to cry on the phone to a stranger. Well, lovingly, I'm not able to give you that right now. I will right. pray for you. I will do all those things for you. But lovingly right now, I can't do that for you. So you can have boundaries. We think we're ingrained, especially women, to believe that boundaries are selfish or right. boundaries are mean. They're not mean. They're the greatest form of self-love for you, right? Mm-hmm here yes I mean plain and simple and I'm taking that in myself um you know I've gotten better at it but I'm becoming an expert at it I can promise that I think that's perfect you know I think one of the biggest things and you know my grandma used to always say and people laugh how I say it but it's, it is you know my grandma used to always ask you know baby tell me baby you got to know God for yourself right and everyone's journey to Christ is different you know for some of us we grew up in the church and never strayed we grew up in the church we strayed away and then came back And for some of us, it was later on in life. You know, talk us a little bit about your journey to finding Christ for yourself. Hmm. So it's funny because, as I mentioned, 700 Club, which is just insane, was just in my house like 48 hours ago. (laughs) Thank you. So just sharing this with them, um, I was raised, my mama, we were in church, you know, every Sunday. We were in church on Wednesday. They said, well, they said, this is funny. They said, um, what was your you know childhood experience like? You know, church. I said, Father Abraham had many, <laughs> and many sons. Many sons have fought, you know, and I said, so clearly, you know, I was in church, you know, and we went to Assembly of God, we went to Baptist, we went to all over. So I was, you know, I was familiar with hand raising and you know, ta- I was, you know, all those things. Got mm-hmm. saved when I was 14, had a had a you know, like white knuckle in the pew, not going up, got saved. Love, you know, love the Lord, but because of some trauma that I had when I was younger, including divorce and finding out I was adopted by my dad when I didn't know, and um, just a lot of things for a young girl, um, and the devil just inserting some um, messages into my little soul that were not true, like that I was unwanted and unlovable, and and even horrible words like bastard and illegitimate, and. Um, and so my little soul was wounded. And so I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol in my teens. And at 21, I um, tried cocaine for the first time. And at first it was a fun party deal. Um, but I looked up eight years later and I had a full-blown addiction to where I was buying it and selling it to be able to support my own habit. Um, and, and I was leading a, a double life. And kind of crazy because this is very new to me to talk about this publicly because I had an agent um, when I was sports casting that told me do not ever talk about this outside of the church because it will hinder your ability to get a job and I said but it was years ago and you know and, and he said I don't care and so what happened was he unknowingly attached shame to my story and I began to that part of me not not talk about it And at the end of 2021, where we've all been the past two years, at the end of 2021, the Lord began to deal with me. And he said, Rachel, you need to start talking about this. And I'm newly married. So I went to my husband and I said, I said, Christopher, I said, I need, I need, 
I need, God needs me to share this part of my journey. Because see, God never left me in all that. I'd Come see on. him in the, I'd see him in the middle of the night, sister. Like, I mean, I, he, you know, I'd see, I've had visions of him, like looking at me, like not mad at me, just, I created you for more than this. He was courting me back. He was, I think a force field was around me when I didn't even know if I drew, you know, how I got my, got home. And when I was in these bad neighborhoods and when I was making drug deals and when I was all of these things I was doing over this, and I was leading a double life. Here's the other thing. I was broadcasting at that time. And, and some people knew towards the end, I was, people were about to have an intervention for me, but, um, but I was broadcasting. So for a lot of people, I was leading a double life and they, they, you know, they didn't know. And so, um, so the Lord really began to deal with me. I went to my husband and I said, I, I need to do this. And he said, you have my blessing. Cause I didn't want to bring shame on him. You know, we were newly married and he said, okay. And, and he said, you know, I give you my blessing. It allowed me to have a conversation with my 14 year old daughter, um, about, about that and about, you know, the dangers of, of drugs. And, and so, you know, God supernaturally delivered me from a eight and a half year cocaine addiction. Wow. And, um, I should be dead in a ditch. And when people ask me all the time, like, why do you love him so much? Come on. It's because I shouldn't even be here. Mm -hmm. And, um, but God, <laughs> but God, yes. yeah. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And they say, you know, the <laughs> sign of somebody who's, uh, you know, not falling apart is a worn out Bible and yes. worn out Bible sister. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. I thank you for sharing that testimony. Right. I tell people all the time, those, but God moments, those are the ones right there where you literally if you ever are in a hard moment, if you ever forget for a second, those but God moments, I'm telling you, right? And so I thank you for sharing that because here's the thing, what we do, and you said about, I'm living a double life. So many of us do it. So many of us do it, right? And so of course, naturally, it is in those moments that people are set free. Mm -hmm. Moments where it's like, wait, hold on. I didn't know that. But one of the things I love the most that you said, and this happens so much to us as believers, we will be muted by people. And as you said at best, don't allow someone to attach shame to your story. Mm. Because see, here's the thing. It wasn't by happenstance. And it definitely wasn't by mistake. Mm -hmm. God knew already, right? The path that we all are going to go on. And much like what you said, you said, I mean, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here, right? But somebody needed to hear that story. Wherever you tell it, somebody needed to hear that story. And I think- for that you got me fired up now because here's the reality what god told me at the end of 2021 was we are eating up and the devil is winning he thinks he's winning a war right now but he's not with addiction and whether that is amazon food sex drugs alcohol porn whatever it is right shopping like whatever it is we are, there's a ton of us. And I, I lived it for all those years, living a dual life, a secret hidden life. And addiction is, is killing us. And if the, the, the antidote to it is to bring it out in the light and to talk about it and ask for help. And, um, and the, the devil wants to keep us in the dark and hidden and, and keep it to yourself and you're ashamed and, and all of those things. But God says, you know, I've forgiven you. You know, your sins are cast east to the west, right? Like I've forgiven them. You can be washed white as snow. And, and I, I preached uh, a couple of times a year. It started as giving my testimony, but now I full-on preach, sister, and at this uh, women's shelter in Birmingham. And I, I said this some other day. I said, you know, um, if I'd never been addicted to cocaine, you know, when I go, went and stood in front of them, I, I know some of them because I go a couple of times a year. They look at me like this. What does she know? Look at her. She's got a sparkly jacket. Right. What does she know about me, you know? And then I stand up there and I say, um, I've been where you've been. And all the scales fall and all the walls fall down. So if I had never been addicted, then I couldn't speak to an addict. Come on. And see, here's the thing. If where you went there, I say that to people all the time, right? If I didn't know, if I wasn't ever sick, I wouldn't know and couldn't tell you he was a healer. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't do that, right? And so in that moment, you know, just small shed like to me, I am a brain aneurysm survivor, okay? 
And in that moment where all of this popped off, I was a college athlete away from home, eight hours away from home. Okay. And so when we talk about knowing them for yourself, I grew up in the church. I definitely was in there. Like you said, Wednesday, Sunday, church anniversary, usher anniversary, we in there. Okay. And so, but there is nothing like knowing him for yourself and watching what he can do when you literally have no other choice, but to look up. I tell people all the time, sometimes he has to lay you on your back because anything you can do is look up. And in those moments, it's like, why me? Are you kidding me? Like I work out every day. I'm a college athlete. What do you mean? How, how does this happen? You know, but I learned in that moment, I couldn't tell you he's a healer if I wasn't sick and he healed me. I can tell you those stripes work. I couldn't tell you that, but I can tell you now. And I'm telling you now, you hear me? And it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me then, but I assure you, you need to hang on in there because those stripes still work. <laughs> Woo! So I thank you for that. Come on now. Don't you start, Rachel. Don't you start. Don't you start. I tell y'all, it'd be y'all. Don't y'all start. Now my knee hurting. It's raining, but I will take off. <laughs> tell you he and let me I've read this this morning and this just got me I had a um I had a a player yesterday reach out to me that I had spoken to five years ago and he said to me Rachel he said still to this day you are one of the most impactful speakers that um that we ever heard and he said I think why is he said because you were just so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and um and it's a long, it's much longer story, but I'll, I'll condense it. But basically after he, after, um, I spoke, he ended up in a situation because he didn't heal childhood wounds and he ended up in a situation where he laid his hands on a woman and he got kicked off the team. He went to jail and he said, I saw your face in jail and I never forgot, um, what you said to me. And he said, and I remember saying to myself that I, you know, when you spoke to us, I will never be that person. And he said, but I want you to know who I am today. He said, I've started a nonprofit. I've got a training center. I made amends with the woman that this happened with. She's a dear friend of mine. I've turned my life around, but God. And he was like, he was quoting me some beautiful scripture out of Genesis. And he was like, you know what, um, what was meant for evil, God will turn to good. And so this morning I was reading and after that I was reading into Exodus and it was um, Exodus 2, 23. And it says, they cried out for help and their pleas for deliverance rose up to God. God heard their cries and remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the Israelites and felt deep concern for their welfare. And just, I guess what I want to say to people today is you can sub your name out for any of those people. So um, you could say, you know, um, they cried out for help, first of all. So, so you cry out for help. Um, and the deliverance rose up in their pleas for deliverance. God heard them and he heard their cries and he remembered his promise to them. Sub your name in there. And then he looked down on Chelsea, on Rachel, on Sarah, on Grace, on whoever it is. And he felt deep concern for their welfare. And so I just love that we serve a God, that he feels deep concern for our welfare. And that our cries are not, uh, they do not fall on deaf ears. Although I will say, I think in my experience, he has responded to me when I had faith in the most terrible times. When I was down on my face, had nothing, lost everything. And I said, I still love you, God. And I know you haven't left me. I'm going to tell you right now, I just put that down because that's about to be literally at the top of my devotional list in the mornings. And I think that the key piece is what you just said, right? We so often forget, I always equate what we go through to the storms, right? Um, one of the songs I love the most right, is when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When this world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, thou who ruleth wind and water, stand by me, right? And so But in those moments where the storm of life is raging, we forget, we forget that he exists. We forget that he's still in the midst, right? But I think I love exactly what you just said. Even, even then I still love you. Even when I feel like I can't feel you, I can't hear you. I don't know that you're there. I still love you. And isn't that what he seeks from us? Yeah. Yes. He doesn't expect us to get it all and know it all. 
our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. So he didn't, he didn't understand it. All he asked is that our allegiance, our loyalty, our belief, our faith, and our love is still with him and consistently with him. And you know, and one other thing, and this is a hard truth that I had to learn in my life. I think he also responds to faith, but I think he responds to obedience. Come on. He does. Let yeah. me tell you something. I had, there was a time in my life and I'm married now, but there was a time in my life where I, he had delivered me from this addiction and yet I was still laying down with my boyfriend and he sent people in my life to, to speak, speak truth into me. It was like three people in like a short amount of time. And you can't, one, you, you be praising God over here for doing something in one area of your life, but you're knowingly sinning in another. And that might be not tithing. That might be um, something else you're doing. I, I don't know what that thing is, right? But you're knowingly, knowingly do it, doing it and continuing to do it when you know that the Lord has helped you in this area. And the, the other thing I want to say is God didn't like forget one area of your life. So he's moved in one area. He's still working on the other stuff. But this is the hard truth of God. And this is the stuff that some people do not talk about. And that is, it's, it is also about obedience. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is about what we say. It is about, do we cheerfully give? Do we, you know, there was a time where I was, I was tithing when I was newly back to Christ after I'd gotten clean, rededicated my life. And I remember I paid all my bills and I was like, God, this is all I got left. And he, it, we, I was in church one day and I heard him audibly say to me, why are you robbing me? And I was like, what? Ooh, like, I know. Why are you robbing me? And, and he was like, I gave you the breath in your lungs. I gave you the synapses in your brain. I gave you the eyeballs. I gave you the thoughts. I gave you the ability to get up this. I woke you up this morning, child. And so I, you know, now I get a paycheck. I pay my people and then whatever's left over, I tithe. And then we, you know, we figure out business-wise or what goes into what, but it's like, you know, and I pray, I pray over it. And I'm just, I don't know what your thing is. Just let that speak to you, whoever's watching that, uh, watching this. But um, yeah, I mean, woo. I mean, everything from, you know, from relations outside of marriage to money to whatever it is, but he's testing me in every area. And when he brought about blessings in my life, it was when I was obeying him, when we were waiting for marriage, when we had rededicated our lives, when we were being obedient with our money. And I just think it's the part of faith that a lot of people don't want to talk about because they they love this giving, loving, wonderful God, but he requires something of us too. Realness, right? Realness at its finest. And I think that that is the biggest portion. And so I think, you know, a lot of times you and I were talking about this um, before we got on is just being able to accept um, compliments and flowers and things like that. And one of the things I tell people is I'm just trying to be obedient, right? It's greater than sacrifice. And we know that, but I think it, you said it best. That's what activates him, right? That's literally, I imagine Steve Harvey says this and it's so visual for me. I'm a visual person. He said, imagine when we get to heaven and the Lord shows us all of the things that we didn't receive. That mm -hmm waiting for our obedience was waiting for our yes was waiting for us to have faith that he would do it. Mm. and in my mind I just see like I just envision like Christmas day right and, and yeah. all this stuff <laughs> that you didn't think you and I'm and I'm like oh my gosh it just was so plain to me right when you speak about that the portion that we really you know we know Rachel that's the thing we know it's just a hard truth that we have to you know it's, it's easy to say like you said he's good he's gonna do this he's gonna do this well yes I need you to understand how do you uh, one of my uh minister leaders when I was in college she said is what about the part where you pull your rope when you mm. pull your side of the, of the tug of war how when are you gonna pull your side and that obedience is our side mm -hmm our side and i and i think that although a hard truth is a truth that you did definitely have to mention right that all of us have to take you to it's it, i mean look it, yeah it i went to israel a couple of years ago and they actually showed us what a mustard seed looked like and it's like this plant and it's small and it's you know like and you talk about that i heard td jake say it one time i love him i a lot of times i'll start my day you know a couple of days a week just putting sermons on going to the house mm -hmm, yes amen <laughs> Yeah. So keeps me going and he talks about the fact that that it's not that he you know like we talked about in the scripture he hears our cries but he's activated like you said by faith 
And it doesn't have to be great faith, but faith nonetheless. And if faith of a mustard seed, faith and obedience. That's where his activation comes in. It's not that he's not, he's not sad that you're sad. Um, but I, I do believe it is absolutely his blessings and his yeses and his amens and his, all of those things are activated by faith and obedience. I do. It's so funny. I told you, I'm sitting here writing what you're saying, you know, <laughs> bargain. We got like gym spitters like that. And you're trying to, but I laugh because again, I am a biologist by trade. I'm a scientist. By trade. That's what I do. And I often compare his word to, you know, what I know, what I teach, believe, what I study. And the one thing I saw in my head when you were talking about faith and obedience and how it activates him moving, activates those blessings is here. Oh, y'all have this little lesson on DNA turning to RNA, turning to proteins. We'll bypass that whole portion of transcription and translation. But what happens when you're making the protein is that that messenger protein, that would be you, Rachel, that messenger protein goes and shows what needs to be copied because mm-hmm. That's God. It's too big to get to you, talk to you if you're not in that place. So the messenger RNA, that's you, Rachel. You go and you say, look, this is what thus saith the Lord. Okay. I'm just a messenger. I'm telling you this. This is what it says. Then, of course, it makes its way through. We're going to skip over things, but the biggest piece is this. In order to make the pro, pro uh, the protein, you have to have what's called three codons, right? And in order for it to be made properly and activate to attach on to create these amino acids that create a long chain that create the protein, you have to have all of them. Mm. You don't have all of them. What ends up happening is what? When you start having different genetic diseases, malfunctions, different things that are going on, right? When that chromosome is made differently, when that chain of amino acids has stopped, doesn't duplicate, doesn't happen, cannot function. Mm. The same with that faith and obedience. Exactly what you just said. We're sitting here wondering why he isn't moving. And just like you said, he can do it all. He's not meddling over here, <laughs> answering this prayer. He's not moving over here and then just saying, you got that over there. You good. <laughs> is it? It's just like, boy, I'm waiting on you. You know, I'll never forget. I was supposed to meet a friend and I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, are you here yet? And she's like, I've been here. Where were you? You didn't say anything. I've been here waiting on you. And I just see him saying, "Much, I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm sitting here, waiting, boo. I'm waiting on you." And, and he never leaves you. Come that, on. Ooh, I heard the pastor's wife this week in church say, "If God feels distant, you moved. You moved, yes. boo. You moved. You quit reading this. You. I, I'll tell you. I mean, I'm the the realest of the real. Like when my life is out of whack, when I'm reactive, when I'm sassy, when I'm, uh, you know, bitty to my husband, when I'm like, you know, defensive, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not calibrated. And then I got to go put myself in timeout and say, <laughs> I'm going to put myself in timeout because I'm a turd right now. And I got to go recalibrate and get on my knees and ask God for forgiveness. Let me tell you, I'm married now. I'm like, some of the, the greatest things I've done are slipping notes underneath doors that say, I love you. I'm sorry. I did not mean to hurt you. You know, like, so, but it's usually not when this is present. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. I love that. I, I love it. And I, I love how real you are too. But I tell people all the time, I think we truly make this walking journey. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. But I think we make his word more complex than it is, right? We're the ones that go translating it differently and holding it. It's like, no, it's not that deep, right? I think that more than anything, when I sit back and I laugh at that, like how you said the same thing, when he feels distant, who moves? Like, go, I've been right here, you know? And so I think more than anything, just like you said, it it truly is, it's like not going to the gym. And, you know, when I stay away, I'm a little rusty. I haven't sung in a choir in a while because of the pandemic. And you start to tell the difference. Yep. You're, you're not up to par. You're a little rusty, right? And the same thing holds true when we're not staying in his word, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get a little spicy, a little sassy about myself. <laughs> sassy. <laughs> I love that. You know, mm-hmm. Speaking of what you just said, though, I love how, one, being able to be real about it, right? Being able to admit, hey, that's my bad. I was wrong, Right. It, translating and coming through in that in the attributes of being a Proverbs, Proverbs 31, mm-hmm. um, which we've been talking about this month has been amazing thus far. 
but in leadership uh, in the home and abroad, right? Talk to us a little bit about what you feel and what you believe when the word talks about that Proverbs 31 woman and all those attributes that they lay in there. What does that look like in your life? And speak to us leaders, right? Speak to us when we sassy, right? When we get spicy, when we move distant from him. Talk to us a little bit about what that should look like, what that should feel like when those that we are leading are watching and following. Mm. So first of all, I'll say inside of a you know marriage, um, I can speak to this is you know make his plate, sis. Make his plate. Go ahead and get your shirt, okay? <laughs> Go ahead and put that on a shirt, Rachel. I just see that going. I do. I just see it going. Make his plate. Let me tell you something. My husband, he works his fingers to the bone. He travels. He gives. He is that ultimate king of the house, like in our our marriage and our our home to provide for us and works his. I mean, overtime to, you know, to, to his own chagrin, right? Like, so the great, one of the greatest things my mama taught me when I was little is it does not make you any less of a woman. In fact, it makes you more of a woman and walking in that Proverbs 31 woman to make his plate. How can I serve you? I'm heading out to pick something up. Can I pick you something up at the store? Do you need me to pick up, you know, whatever, make his plate, sis, make his plate. So the other thing is, is, you know, I'm, I'm learning I'm a kind of a work in progress now because I was a career woman and I still am. But for 38 years, it was just me. It was just me. I didn't have anybody else. Now I got four bonus kids and a husband. I'm trying to learn how to, how to, you know, you mean I got to feed these people all the time? Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, I, I mean, I got to like make, and there's a house and there's a wife and there, you know, keep her, you know, and so that there's, I, I will say that inside of marriage, out, you know, outside of marriage, it is one of the biggest attributes I think of being a queen, which is also Proverbs 31 woman is being willing to say, I messed up. I made a mistake. And when I hurt you, you know, I say a queen or a king as we teach and I'm in the movement and I'm changing the narrative, a king or queen or royal T is not perfect. Um, it just means, you know, better. So you do better. It means you lead, you, you serve, you give. It means when you mess up, you are accountable for it. You apologize. You, I mean, I've called back 1-800-CENTERS before. I remember during the pandemic, I was mean to somebody at Venus, like the, you know, the clothing company. <laughs> <laughs> I was a jerk. And, uh, and I called back and I'm like, um, can I speak to Sarah? And they're like, you know, what? Like, what? And I'm like, and I said, I said, I need to tell Sarah that I was a, you know, big bitty on the phone to her right now like you know just a minute ago and I'm so sorry and the person was like ma'am I don't know if we can find Sarah but I just want to tell you, you blessed me but the fact that you called back you know like so no, for sure. yeah I mean being willing to say when you are wrong or say I hurt you sometimes you know we as women we get busy you know we hurt our friends we don't we don't mean to you know we're like There'll be times I jump on a live and I haven't answered your text, you know, and one of my girlfriends was, you know, sending me a text the other day and said, you still haven't answered my text. What are you doing? You know? And uh, But just showing each other grace. I say grace, like big old gobs of peanut butter. But, you know, it's really um, a queen. We have a shirt that says this and it says queen under construction. And that just means that. for the rest of my life, I'm going to be growing learning, seeking, messing up, asking for forgiveness, getting up, falling down, dancing. You know, I'm going to be moving. There ain't going to be no grass growing up underneath these feet. And so when I arrive in front of God, I hope I'm all used up and dirty. And I say, you know, I ran my race, God, and I hope I made you proud. Come on. Look, I, you just remind me so much. Shout out to my sister, Brittany Ezell. Um, She's amazing. She, is a servant leader, but we talk off nest when she says, so I want to go, when I get to God, I want to be tired. I want to be bent over, hands on my knees out of breath. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't, I want him to see just dirty, nails dirty. I went in, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, servant leader, I, I'm, I'm just running his errands. I don't want to leave anything unchecked. Like my to-do list, I want to keep check, 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 check. And I want to hear servant well done. I want him to know me. Okay, I about those words that just uh, Joyce Meyer said, uh, listen to her in the mornings, and she said, she said, I, I read a meme and it said, I think people either A, think hell does not exist, or they feel, oh, I don't think it'll be that uncomfortable. And I laugh because I'm like, well, yeah, but that part just disappointing him. And see, that's the thing. When it transitions from being me being afraid, it's not that. I don't want to disappoint him. I want to be proud. You know, he's the top of God. Come he's on. Your, 
He's your prophet Come of God. On. And that's like, I want to teach people who've been church hurt or people hurt. I want to teach them. I don't have a legalistic relationship with God. He is my Papa God, my father, my provider, my best friend, my creator, my all this. It is an intimate best friendship with Daddy God in heaven. And if you could, if I could teach that to other people, to he wants to have that same kind of relationship with you. That's where people, I think, would, when people say, well, someone, so-and-so hurt me. I know they're human. They're right. going to do that. We got sin. We live in a fallen world. A church hurt me. Well, people aren't perfect or neither are, you know, neither are churches and churches are full of sinners and broken people. So things happen, uh, but that's not God's fault. God didn't right. do that. He didn't sin that. He didn't orchestrate that for you. He loved it. You don't think sin makes him sad? Sin makes him sad too. Yeah. 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 That's it. And he is. And I tell people when I pray and I talk to him, I'm like, look, I'm telling you right now to anybody that's nervous to pray or, you know, new to the faith, new to praying. I'm like, I'll be shamed. Don't be shamed. It doesn't take that. I teach my girls, you know, when they're like, well, coach, I've never prayed before. Prayer is literally talking to him. What do you want? What do you thank him for? What do you need him to forgive you for? That's it. Don't allow these long 20 minute prayers to fool you. When I talk to him, he is, it's like, you're my dad. So, okay. I messed up. That's my bad. But look, this is what's going on. And that's how we have a conversation. I know I didn't do that. Right. But I apologize. And I did apologize to them. And I think that you said it best. That is why I go from being, oh my God, I can't do this. I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to disappoint him. And I want to make him proud. I think that's it. Every single day, like John Moses says on uh, Basketball You, last chance you on Netflix. He said, I just didn't want to embarrass God. I just didn't want to make him look bad. And I thought that was amazing because that's the mindset when that's your father. I, I, I know I'm a reflection of you. So let me get this thing right. And I think that's perfect. And, you know, and I'll say this very quickly, too. Um, I have have been with people that have had near-death experiences and have heard about near-death experiences with heaven. But I've also read books and seen many different testimonies of people that had near-death experiences of hell and came back. Ooh. I don't even. Ooh. I haven't. And I don't even just just the mere thought of that. You know. if, if, it, if somebody, if you wonder if hell, hell is real, I, I double dog dare you to go on YouTube, look it up. There's several books. I read a book years ago, but I've seen some things on YouTube where uh, these people had experiences and for whatever reason, they came back smelling like smoke and they they had uh, this glimpse and, and saw what it was like and, and had an opportunity to come back and change your life. And the book and then the people I've seen on YouTube, um, they're all living and loving God now, of course, because they got a second chance at life. And then that's something, and not even to prolong this, because I know you have so much on your plate and we're going to definitely get you to that. But, you know, isn't it something that that he gives us a second chance? There's a song that was of a God of a second chance, right? And so, but when he does that, right, people, actually, let's, let me rectify that. We as people get second chances. He gets multiple chances. I mean, again. Everyday chances. Come on. <laughs> like, Tiffany Green was on here and she was like, I just be like, why do you love me? Like, I'm a mess and you still love me. I know I'll cut up and you still love me anyhow and that, that alone is just beyond those but God moments those the fact that you would love me in spite of my mess mm. you wouldn't treat me as my sins would allow you love me regardless right you don't, you don't cut me off because something I did or didn't do right all you ask me traveling back is for that obedience have and then love your people like, and, love, and love them well come you, on now you said at the beginning of it, time is the thing that we, and I was just retweeting that about Kobe Bryant this morning, you know, time is the thing that we think we all have more of. We don't know. We're all, all we are, all we're all doing is just walking each other home. Oh, I like that. That's all we're doing, you know? I love and, that. Yeah, I, I have read that somewhere and I just, <laughs> and I loved it and have, have, being somebody who's lost both my mom and my dad and I've just lost yeah. a lot of people. The thing that keeps me going is that I know I'm going to see him again in heaven. Come on. Yeah. It, it is a it is a picture and I, I did I said I'm gonna find this painting and if I just have to um print it off blow it up or whatever but it is I forget what it's called but it literally had been floating on social for a while but it was like called like the homecoming or whatever or heaven yeah. whatever and you watch like those that were already there yeah. and those coming and just the hallelujah good time right yeah and even I think about all the people that I love that are there you know me having my baby girl five months ago she's five months and the the joy that it gave me that they're not here to watch her is that you all cradled her before you gave her to her. <laughs> you know 
like that's the part that that gave me a piece like you know I'm like damn they're not here to see her you know they're not here to watch and I'm like but you know what they <laughs> she was good before she came to me you you are you're you're preaching to the you're preaching to the choir and yeah that's you know I just I cry usually every day over something happy or sad or just a move mm-hmm. to tears and I just I was so inspired by that but I by this just you know recent snippet of our conversation because I know I will see them and I that's know it. that they have held my babies then and, and mm-hmm. there's gonna be no cancer no sadness no you know mm-hmm. none of those things and yeah it's uh it's gonna be a day well, look, before we get you out of here, there are two questions we got to give you. They're quick in order to <laughs> shine you into this servant leadership, family, team, crew, right? So the first one is kind of along the lines of your butt God, right? It's one of the things I do in the mornings and all the time, just to remind me that when those storms come, he's still who he is. And it's called mm-hmm. my, my devotional, right? And so the other day I was truly blessed because I tweeted out and started tagging folks and y'all went in, right? And so if I said, but God, and I drew a blank, sorry, if I said God is, and I drew a blank, you still got me on my, but God moments. If I said God is, and I drew a blank, how would servant leader, leader, Rachel Barbeau, feel that blank? God is what to you? Everything. Everything. He is the air that I breathe. He is, he's the, uh, he's the joy in my heart. He's the healing. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is everything to me. I could not exist without him. He's my best friend. Come on. on. And of course, this is the Servant Leader Coaches Study, where servant leadership is at the forefront, middle, all the way around what we do, trying to infiltrate the sports world and the leadership realm and show people what it means to truly lead and serve like Christ. So servant leadership, two words that take on so many different meanings, but to servant leader, Rachel Barbeau. What does yeah. leadership mean to you? Ooh, um, my mom raised me on Og Mandino. I'm going to grab this book. It's like, if you are a leader, you need to, he's, he was an old school, um, uh, one of the foremost leadership uh, writers, authors in the 70s and 80s. And my favorite book, my mom raised me on this book is The Greatest Miracle in the World. And so servant leadership to me is being willing to, if you ask, you ask your team to dig a ditch, you at the front with the shovel, you the first person there in the front with a shovel, you're showing them the way. The other thing servant leadership to me is just radically loving your team. Like my team and I'm changing the narrative, they're family. I care about their mamas and their daddies and their babies and their, you know, and all those things. Like I'm, I thank them multiple times a week for the work that they do. I thank them for the time and the gifts they give. So it's radical love and also being, if you're asking them to do something, being willing to get out in front of everybody and show them the way. It's golden. It is golden. That's it. This is golden. I say that all the time. People laugh, but truly it's golden. You talk about dropping gems, spitting fire, but that is golden. I'm telling you right now, because when you see leaders like that, those are the ones I follow most. When your hands are dirty, when you're not just telling me what to do, you're showing me, you're walking me through what to do. I'm with you and I will be with your vision. And as long as I'm watching you do that. Yeah. Rachel, thank you. Like, <laughs> I wasn't a fan before, but I was. Like, you could just imagine <laughs> truly where I am now. You are truly amazing. You are amazing. And I thank you so much just for your servanthood. I thank you for what you do. I thank you for everything. And I pray just that everything that you touch just continues to move, grow, because we need to hear this. We need to hear you. We need to hear his word because you're the messenger RNA. Yeah, yeah. God bless you, <laughs> sister. Woo, we pray, we cried, we, we praised God. We've done a lot in a, um, in an hour. And I know you'll put my, my website out there, but it's imchangingthenarrative.org, the letter I, the letter M. And that contact button, as I mentioned before, it goes straight to my email. So if you send, you know, if you send me an email, it's not like it's never going to get to me. It goes straight to my email. Um, I want to hear from people. Um, I want to follow you back on social media. I don't care about algorithms. Well, I have too many followers and not enough. I, I don't care about that. Like, I, you know, like, again, you're not that important. Like you are that important, but the people that are you know, unwilling to engage, I'm like, it's called social media for a reason. Like I love being social. I love connecting with people. And if something touched you in this podcast i'd love to hear what touched you i love it do it y'all and before (laughs) 
you would just bow your head. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much right now just for another opportunity to speak about you, to talk about you, to thank you, to love you, and to introduce someone to you that may not know you. I thank you, Lord God, right now for Rachel. I ask that you just bless her, Lord God, touch her, move her, strengthen her, Lord God. Give her the words to say every time that she goes out and comes in, Lord God. Bless her marriage, Lord God. Bless everything that she touches. Bless the team. Bless the I'm changing the narrative team, Lord God, so they continue to do and move your journey forward. I ask that you bless the servant leaders, Lord God, here now too from those that we may not even know and meet everybody at their point of need. We may not know, we don't need to know, you know. But most of all, Lord God, I ask that you help us to be lights, help us to illuminate so that those that may not know you can find you. And yes, in Jesus' name, we'll always pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Thank you. You're now part of the servant leader family. <laughs> we are thankful to have you. If there's anything we can ever do, all you got to do is reach out. Yeah. Thank you. so. Hey, and for all of your administrators and all of your coaches, I love coming in to speak to programs. Just drop me a message and we'll get the ball rolling. And I go to every, everything from NAIA to, you know, to large programs, anywhere in between. There is no, you know, um, so we like, well, you may not, I've been, I've been all over coast to coast. And so if there's an opportunity to come in and talk about um, now we cover everything from mental health to self-love to interpersonal relationships, healthy interpersonal relationships to purpose and passion and legacy. So we cover so much and I'm about to get back out on the road and I'm teaching this spring on Ubuntu, which is shared humanity. I love it. Yes. I'm telling you right now, you will not be disappointed and I'm going to pub that too. Uh, to all of those, you know, it's conference turning time. So when I get ready to talk to those and I talk and pass through, I am definitely going to let them know because you, my friend, are amazing. Thank you. We thank Bye-bye. you for listening. We'll see you guys next time.